Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Demartini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. The following audio is via a Skype call. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. I'm so excited. I'm Dr. Pat. Thanks for tuning us in, turning us on. Benny, we've got a great show today. How are you, Mr. B? Doing well off a great weekend. Hope everyone else did the same. Bada bing, bada bam. Boom, boom. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm in one of those kinds of moods today. Do you know what this month marks? Uh, Are you talking about August? Yes. There's a lot of happiness in the air. That's a start for me. Is there something in particular? Okay. Somebody called me out about this and said, Pat, how come you're not celebrating your anniversary? (gasps) Now, it's not quite yours and my anniversary. It's not our anniversary quite yet. That's January. But they said, how come you're not? And I said, well, what anniversary might that be? They said, isn't this an anniversary of radio for you? I said, oh, I totally blinked out on that. I guess blinked out, blanked out. What blanked out. Blanked out. I, but, so, okay, couple days left in August. Happy anniversary to us. But actually, I said to them, September is the <laughs> Got to bring in the audience if you're going to be an you know, anniversary. That's it's right. a special, right? <laughs> it's a special occasion. It is. It is. And so the celebration is I made the decision in August. Right. But we didn't start till September. That's why I, I felt not so bad forgetting. <laughs> you know, because, okay, yeah, I shouldn't forget a date like that, but apparently I did. No, but I, it, it was more on your side than our side. I, I know. It's very, it's very much on our side. But, you know, here's what it is. Today's show with Richard Barrett. Listen, I love this. You know, back in the day, as you like to say, oh, a little rhyme, back in the day, we would talk about psychology, and when I was just sharing, I was just sharing with him that when I went back to school, I was not really able to study this, a new psychology of human well-being. And I'm so glad that Richard has kicked this up a bunch. This is an amazing conversation. His book, A New Psychology of Human Well-Being, an exploration of the influence of ego-soul dynamics and mental and physical health. Boom. I love that. And who better than Richard to kick this up? He's an author, speaker, internationally recognized thought leader in the evolution of human values in business and society. And I am just crazily eager to talk to him about that. He's the founder and chairman of, you know, the Barrett Values Center, a fellow of the World Business Academy of Former Values Coordinate the World Bank. Now, why is this important today? Because in the conversation at the heart of the theory we're going to talk about the seven levels model that and much more we're finally bringing the conversation that human beings are involved 
are involved in the world of psychology today and especially especially human well-being. Richard, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. Okay. Thanks, Dr. Pat. I'm happy to be back with you again. Yes. Uh, you know, let's talk about if we could just take a minute. There are many, many things I could say about you. I mean, I could spend, I could pretty much spend just the rest of the hour talking with you about your journey, your life. Um, but I want to ask you this question. You have contributed so very much to this conversation. You've contributed to human consciousness, to business and connecting the dots that people actually exist in the business world. I would love to ask you this question. Here you are with the, this fabulous book. What is the call to action today that you see right here now? What is the call to action that you see today for businesses in the world? Let's start out with the United States if we could. What is the call to action? If I, if I said to you, Richard, I am going to give you three wishes right now. Not that I can, but if I if I said, Richard, you ready? You fired up three wishes. What would they be? Well, we're talking about the business world right now. Pat, yes, is that right? Let's start there. Okay. So um, first thing is, um, I would put it uh, this way, becoming a values-driven. And what does that mean? It means... Uh, Organizations, in order to be successful, need to care about their employees, their customers, uh, society, investors. They need to care about the needs of all of the different stakeholders. And most of all, they need to care about the needs of the employees. And when you care about people's needs, guess what? They care about you. So the most successful organizations and businesses on the planet are the ones that care about their employees and what they need. Now, what do employees need? Well, it depends on what stage of psychological development you're at um, as to what you need. If you look at adult stages of development, uh, you know, there's the individuating stage, which is 25 to 39, and what we need there is a, a sense of autonomy and freedom uh, to be able to do uh, to work in a way that allows us to explore who we are. And in our 40s, we want to find meaning in our work. So we want, to, we want opportunities to align um, our in, inbuilt passion and, uh, and creativity uh, with the work that we're doing. We want to align our purpose with our work. And then in the 50s, uh, we want to make a difference in the world. In order to make a difference by working on our purpose, we have to connect with people. So we need to be able to connect and use our emotional intelligence and social intelligence to connect with other people. And in our 60s, all we want to do is serve. We want to be a life of selfless service from 60 onwards. And so that's all about contribution. So basically, we need to create organizational cultures that address employees' psychological needs at the stage of development they're at. And when you actually can do that, you'll have the most uh, amazing, successful company. Oh, that's one, I, that's I, one thing. I, oh, that is so brilliant. Okay, 
am I asking too much to ask you the other two, or should we stay with this one for a little bit? Because that's jam-packed right there. It is jam-packed. <laughs> I mean, I, I, could, I could mention other things, such as, you know, the organizational culture is a reflection of the consciousness of the leaders. So if you want to change the culture, they are, you either change yes. the leader or the leader has to change. I love uh, talking about culture. I love yes. talking about this. Uh, you know, Richard, here's what I want to say about this. There was a movement, and, and there is right now a movement, to eliminate the dialogue of organizational culture. As a matter of fact, I can't remember which company, one of the big consulting firms, said that, don't bother. Don't bother addressing culture. I'd like to know what you think about that. Well, uh, you know, recently, um, Dr. Pat, uh, what's happened is there are three of the major um, consulting uh, companies yes. have come out recognizing that culture is fundamentally important. Uh, in the last three years, uh, Anderson Young and, and, a, and um, a couple of other yeah. major organizations have come out and said, really, what we're recognizing now is that success is all about culture. And what they're not saying is that, you know, and culture is all about leadership consciousness, but that's really what I've been talking about for a long time, over 20 years now. Um, the consciousness of the leader creates the culture which creates the success. So who you are as a leader actually is uh, influences the success of your organization. So the culture is well and truly back on the table and particularly because of all of the uh, financial crises and the ethical um, lapses that have been going on in the financial services industry um, and the regulators in different countries, the US and the UK are saying, you know, you financial service organization, you've got to get your house in order and basically what it's all about is culture. Uh, you know, this is really, for me, so refreshing to hear because as many of us have worked in organizations, bo both as internal consultants and outside, and outside consultants, at least for me, um, I have a friend who is literally attempting to do what you just said right now in her platform uh, is called cultural brilliance. And it's amazing. And, and she's really coming out and talking about this in a way that you've talked about it. This idea of human well-being. You know, I wanted to ask you this question as well. Um, a friend of mine said, Pat, you know, I, I think you're the only person that I'm not really. So let's just not say that. But this is what she said. She said, I think you're the only person that's really addressing what people have gone through in the past 10 years. I said, yeah, uh, I don't think I'm the only person. No. I said, I just happen to have a framework based on what I've studied to talk about it. Can you address this for a minute, uh, Richard? And I think, Benny, let's just skip this break because we've got so much to talk about here. Can you address the idea that we are, are, are looking at the world right now, the United States especially, stock prices are up, right? Even in the middle of a, a political year, stock prices are up, uh, uh, interest rates are down, housing market opening up, there's a group of people that are basking in the shift and change economically here, but then there's also a group of people that pretty much have lost everything over the past 10 years. Can you help us connect the dots between the two contrasts? 
Well, you know, it comes down to this fundamental issue of inequality. Um, you know, uh, the you know the tide is rising in the sense for mm. many people uh, but for a, wh a whole other bunch of people it's not mm -hmm. rising and you know and this really leads me you know to to in a way to Donald Trump because uh, you know what Donald is uh, the people he's appealing to are the people who who were disenfranchised, the people who never managed to get that higher education, the people yeah. who've been left in the margins. And why? Because actually he operates at those same levels of consciousness that they do, and they see in him a hero. And so um, they, they, uh, they're very much taken by that because who else is fighting for them? Who else yeah. is fighting for the disenfranchised? Um, in in America, it, it is a, a country. I, I am an American citizen. I lived there 24 yeah. years. I'm also a British citizen. But it is um, it is a country of polarities of mm. of the very rich and the very poor, and and, and a large um, underbelly of people who are not served by the system. They're not served by the health service, they're not served by education, and they find it difficult to struggle because all they want to do is they want to have a good life where they're not totally in the survival mode all of the time. And it's, uh, you know, they find it difficult. And so, um, so this question of... yeah. Inequality is fundamental. You know, uh, about four years ago, during four years, the first four years of the Obama administration, uh, mm -hmm. my company actually mapped the values of the United States of America. And oh. um, we measure something called uh, what called cultural entropy. It's the degree of dysfunction in the nation. And um, this number was quite high. It was in the 50s, which says to me, wow, there's something that's not really going well there. Now, um, a year or two before that, we measured the cultural entropy in Iceland. Now, Iceland's the most democratic country in the world, and it had the same level of cultural entropy in the 50s that USA has, and the UK too. And I, and I said, no, this can't be true. So in, in, 2000, um, in 2008, in August, I went to Iceland to present the results of the National Values Assessment. And I said to them, you know, with this level of cultural entropy or dysfunction, you'd be going bankrupt mm -hmm. about now if you were an organization. <laughs> and, and, and two weeks later, Iceland went bankrupt. Oh. And, you know, the Brexit vote, again, is, is, are the same thing. It's the people who are feel disenfranchised and are saying to the democratic elites, up yours, I... <laughs> I'm voting against this because uh, I've been left out of this. Uh, I've been I, my needs have not been met, and that's you know what's happening with the with, you know the, all the followers of Donald Trump. So um, because in America the level of cultural entropy is also up in the 50s. So there's something significantly wrong in these. Um, how shall I put it? Cutting edge or leading democratic <laughs> nations because democracy is not working for us. Well, you know, it's fascinating that we're talking about this, too, because, you know, this is really now where we get to really step back, if, if nothing else, right, and take a look at what you've been able to present, not just your company, and what a brilliant way to present that in terms of looking at organizational culture. Um, but here's the thing that 
I, I'm really struck by there are many things, Richard, that you, you write about. Um, but I'm really struck by, you know, your, your writings in this book in particular on the expansion of conscious awareness. Yeah, and thank you. I, yeah. I am so thrilled about this because it used to be taboo, right? It used to be taboo. If we were to talk about, oh, wait, organizations and then say, oh, conscious awareness, you know, we'd have had tomatoes thrown at us, right? But do you right. think we're opening up now to have this conversation about conscious awareness across the board? Do you think we're, we're doing it? Totally. We're, we're definitely opening it up. I've been pioneering this in my books yeah. for a long time now. And, yes. and, and this, this last book, uh, New Psychology of Human Well-Being, is yeah. really uh, an attempt to bring the soul back to the center of psychology. You know, um, 70, 80 years ago, we had Carl Jung, who really understood the, the role of the soul. We had Roberto Asagioli, who built a whole theory around the soul. And we had Maslow, who was like talking about the higher, the inner core and the higher self. And since that point in time, we've lost the soul has gone out of psychology. We've got into cognitive psychology, and the reason it's gone out of psychology is because it's the, the, the models of psychology, the modern ones, are all produced by academics. And in the academic world, the soul is an absolute no-no. And so we've totally lost the soul from psychology. Whereas who we are, who you are, who all the listeners are, we're actually just souls experiencing three-dimensional material awareness. We, we, we live in a world of four-dimensional energetic awareness as souls. We dumb that down in order to be able to be present in material awareness. And then when we die, we don't die actually, we just stop being conscious of this three-dimensional material world and we pop back to our fourth-dimensional energetic experience as souls. So who we are, you don't have an inner core, you don't have a higher self, you don't have a soul, you are a soul, you are the inner core, you are the higher self right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm so glad. I know you dedicated your book to uh, Roberto Asagioli. I noticed you dedicated it because, I mean, what what amazing pioneer. I mean, everything from his arrest by Mussolini to so forth and so on. But, you know, many people do not know, uh, Richard, I do not know of his contribution. I'm I was really struck by the fact that he had an influence on you as well, but I wasn't surprised. Yeah, he actually, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting 35 kilometers from Florence right now. Roberto Asagioli <laughs> actually lived in Florence many yeah. years ago. He founded yeah. what was known as the psychosynthesis movement, which is all about, uh, he saw psychology as I do through the view of the soul. And, uh, and so, yeah, I wanted to bring this, that's one of the reasons I wrote this book, is to bring the soul back into psychology. But I also wanted, I wrote it to, to um, under to, to help people understand that we grow in stages of psychological development. Um, you know, we don't live in a flat human world. Um, if you're not to two years old, you're in the surviving stage. If you're in the three to eight years, seven years old, you're in the conforming stage. If you're in a, a teenager and a young adult in the early 20s, you're in the differentiating stage. And then you move to the individuating stage, the self-actualizing stage in the 40s, the integrating stage in the 50s, and the serving stages in the 60s. And, you know, if you tell me your age, and I'm not asking you to do that, Pat, don't worry. Uh, but if, <laughs> if you can... 
if you can tell me your age, I can tell you exactly what's going on with you uh, in your life. If you've been reasonably successful at mastering the fears that you had when you were young, because during those first 24 years of our lives, we have uh, we have uh, three brains and four minds. And the first brain is the reptilian mind brain, which is not to two or from the moment we con 10 weeks after we're conceived. And that brain is all about surviving. And then there's the limbic mind brain from two to eight. That brain is all about finding safety. And then the neocortex during that period is all about feeling secure. That's what it focuses on. So why are these, why are these, is the ego, the ego is the emotional mind, that's the limbic mind brain and the neocortex mind brain. Why is the ego focused on survival? Why is the body focused on survival? Because, and you won't find this in any textbook, because nobody can explain where the will to survive comes from in a scientific oh. way. But actually, the will to survive is simply the soul's will to be present in three-dimensional material awareness. And that's where the will to survive comes from. Now, when you, when you fail to make the, meet the needs of these different stages of development, um, you begin to feel sadness. That's the sadness of the soul because the soul is not going to be able to, uh, to live out the life that it intended for itself because the ego hasn't managed to get on board with that. And so we, the sadness of the soul leads to depression and depression leads to a weakening of the will to survive. And that's when we, uh, A, uh, either commit suicide or B, uh, we yeah. gradually become more and more sick and will die eventually, younger than we well, should. You know, yeah, well, what you're talking about here is so important because right now, if we could just interject this for a moment, you know, right now we are watching the rise of uh, all of the things you just mentioned, you know, suicide. And I've talked about this before on air. My my mom happens to be one of those people that literally could not adapt and do what you just said. And right. hence, when I was six, she committed suicide. Right. But, you know, now we're looking at a world where the the level of addiction is so far on the rise the level of opiates canada and their existing uh, uh you know phenomenon of fentanyl i mean over and over and over again even though we you know people may not be as you said you know opting out of the physical body they're opti opting out of the emotional and psychological body and isn't yeah. this kind of the same thing that we're talking Pat, about here. It's all linked. Pat, may I ask you how old your mom? I mean, very sad to talk about, but how old was your mom when she decided to commit suicide? She was in her early 40s. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, you know, um, I, I'm actually working with some of uh, the uh, not-for-profit people who are linked to the yeah. Veterans Association in America. Oh. Mm -hmm. because there are so many young vets uh, who are committing suicide and then there are people coming out of the services in their 40s and 50s who are committing suicide and then there's the yeah. Vietnam uh, era people who are committing suicide and and the yeah. reason they commit suicide are not the same at all because mm. um, like your mom you said it, it was in her 40s early 40s early early 40s yeah I, yeah. I was born 12 years after my sister yeah um, so and, and, yeah. so 
pro what probably what your mum was going through was that she the the previous the forties is the self actualizing stage, but yes, in the exactly. individuating thing stage, which is you need to find freedom and autonomy to be who you really are, and in the forties it's about expressing who you really are. Now, if you are blocked in finding freedom and autonomy, if you are blocked in fully expressing who you are, then uh, the will to survive will uh, decrease and could yeah. lead to sadness, depression, and suicide. Well, that, that summed it up for her. I mean, she was clearly a free spirit, actually owned her own business, uh, which was kind of unheard of. But, you know, this is really... The, the, this is really kind of the same dialogue we're having now for folks that believe, that, you know, my identity has been to my job in my workplace. Then now I don't have my job and I didn't have my job. And even if you were in that stage, which so many people were, you know, here, uh, uh, as we look at these past 10 years, so many people, Richard, were in that point in time in their lives. It wasn't like we went through 10 years of a lot of different downsizing. You and I were kind of joking about this. And oh, oh, and by the way, let, let us let go of all the young people. That's not actually not really what we're finding happen. But out of this comes something you talk about in the book in the conversation I would love to have uh, with you and we'll continue when we come back from break is one of the things you say in the book is so many things you say um, but one of them is clearly clearly about honesty and I believe in the book you dem I, I was really fascinated by this you know the proportion of people in UK choosing the value of honesty is one of their top 10 uh, value priorities I don't think we're surprised at that uh, or maybe a little bit, but can you talk about how that showed up in in, in this particular uh, body of work and what it has come to mean now? Sure. Do you want to do that after the break or now? Let's do it now. Let's get it started now. Okay. So um, we did a national values assessment in the United Kingdom, like we did one in the, uh, several in the United States, and and so uh, I, I picked out some of the data which showed that the uh, um, people who picked honesty as one of the top ten values, uh, the proportion of people increased as uh, as with age. So mm. uh, in the twenties, less people picked honesty. In the thirties, more. In forties, more. In fifties, more. And that continued all the way up into the like sixties or seventies when it went down a little bit. And and, and I think that the reason that people uh, gravitated in their lives towards honesty is because they realize that it actually benefits them in in being able to trust others and trusting themselves and also um, builds a relationship because let's not forget we are souls having this human experience in our fourth dimensional energetic world we are totally connected with other people we're individuated aspects of that same energy field so so at that level who we really are um, uh, there is total openness and not only that um, at that level of our existence um, when I give to you I'm giving to myself because I'm, I'm actually giving to another individuated aspect of the universal energy field. So when you get these values like honesty, which build connection, you're getting closer and closer to your soul. And as we move through life, the second part of our life is all about getting closer to our soul. So honesty grows and develops 
in the latter stages of our lives. Uh, that's how I interpret this data about mm. more and more people picking honestly as one of the top 10 priorities as they get older. Yeah, I want to uh, talk about this too when we come back. And uh, for those of you just tuning in, um, Richard Barrett joining me here today. This is one of my favorite books. And I, I said this last time you were on, and I'm going to say it again. I do not even understand how Richard has been able to put so much in one book. And every page is, any page you go to, there's something on every page where you stop and you read, whether you're looking at the impact of energetic instability, oh boy, or you're looking at the motivations of the ego and the soul. When we come back, we're going to tap into both of those. Uh, for now, uh, there are a couple things that uh, you can do. Before we go to break, R Richard, what's the best website and how can people get a copy of your book? Okay, so the uh, best website is richardbarrett.net. That's B A. R-R-E-T-T dot net um, and that leads you into a bigger website called valuecenter.com but all you need to remember is richardbarrett.net and when you get to my page there on the side you'll find uh, you'll find free podcasts you'll find uh, videos you'll find presentations and you'll find all my books and you click on the book page and then click on the book that's interested in you and you'll find a description of that book and you can then get find the books on Amazon or any other leading retailer. So richardbarrett.net is really the place to go. And by the way, when we come back, we're actually going to give a copy of the book away. Uh, if you want to find out more about us, missed any part of the show today, it's going to play again on TransformationTalkRadio.com and the Dr. Pat Show. Uh, also, you'll be able to find this at Spreaker, iTunes, and you're probably listening from some other device I'm not really quite familiar with. Let's take a short break, everyone. We'll be right back with my very special guest, Richard Barrett. What is a brilliant culture? And how do we create them? Why are they important? Claudette Rowley has created a breakthrough five-step process to help you design a culture that is authentic, innovative, and successful. Learn how to create change with Cultural Brilliance Radio, the DNA of organizational excellence, and Claudette Rowley. To learn more or work with Claudette, visit ClaudetteRowley.com. Are you ready to start winning at the game of life? Lynn Brown, host of Get Into It, Winning at the Game of Life, is here to help you reach places and goals that you never thought possible. Lynn is an intuitive healer with a specialized background in financial healing. She combines her intuitive nature and her wholesome approach to financial planning. To learn more about her financial planning services, contact her personally at letter R, letter U, intuit.com. Chris Stainis is a spiritual leader and healer and teaches a course on how you can transform your life through a meditation and healing system that will manifest your spirit's dreams. She manifested the Women of Wisdom Conference, the Women of Wisdom book, and this radio show. And she can show you how to change your life, too. Are you ready? Visit the website and contact her at VoicesOfWomenToday.com. That's VoicesOfWomenToday.com. Have you been seeing numbers like 111 and 222 everywhere you go? Do you feel that the universe may be trying to get your attention, perhaps offering a message of some sort? 
As it turns out, numerical patterns and certain types of geometry form the very fabric of our reality, from cells under a microscope to the astronomy of our night sky. At Stellar Reflections, we offer special sessions which tap into these patterns, designed specifically to support you on your journey. The 111 and 222 activations are sessions activating new patterns in your energy field, which in turn can help you create new patterns in your life. After just one session with a practitioner, either in person or via distance, clients report gaining greater clarity, becoming more intuitive, and honoring their inner truth as they move forward in their lives. Curious about what these transformational sessions might do for you? Call 425-999-9836 or visit StellarReflections.com. That's StellarReflections.com. Do you want to achieve your goals? Do you want to strengthen relationships with others? Do you want to improve your financial status? Colette Marie Steffen is partnering with Mark Kettenbach to bring you an energetic upgrade online experience. Unfold and develop your full potential. Visit energeticupgrade.com today for more information. That's energeticupgrade.com. everybody welcome back great to have you here on dr pat show transformation talk radio and richard barrett my very special guest and we would love to give a copy of his book away uh for those of you out there uh how about we uh, we do that for the first caller 1-800-930-2819 1-800-930-2819 and benny we'd love to give a copy of the book away and let's do that for our first caller we're also going to go ahead and skip the next break um, because there is so much to talk uh, about. Uh, Richard, thank you so much for joining me here today. As I was saying during the break, I would love to have a conversation about, you know, ego uh, versus soul uh, and the dynamics, this ego-soul ego dynamics, which you talk so beautifully about in the book. Um, it has always felt like a conflict. It's always yeah. felt like choose one or the other. There is no dynamic. Just give it up. And I'd love to, I'd love to have you share that thought with you with us. Okay. Well, look, you know, the <laughs> first thing you have to realize is that the ego is the creation of the soul. Um, and so right there, that's really interesting because uh, what happens in the journey of the soul for the first 10 weeks after inception um, in the womb when the embryo, the soul enters the embryo uh, and it is the only mind that we have at that point uh, until about 10 or 12 weeks when the reptilian mind brain forms. That's the body mind. And the body mind keeps the, uh, becomes, uh, how shall I put it, the dominant mind. And the soul mind now becomes the subconscious of the um, reptilian mind brain. So whatever's going on uh, in the, with the fetus uh, um, while it's in the womb and during the first two years of life, is felt uh, sensations in the body. So let's say the mother smokes uh, or drinks alcohol or whatever mm -hmm. while she's still pregnant, and that affects, that gets into the bloodstream of the mother, which then gets into the bloodstream 
of the fetus and causes the uh, reptilian mind brain to w work overtime in homeostatic functioning and that working overtime brings fear which is felt by the soul as a lack of love because that's the soul lives in this world of, of, of con pure connection and love and then once the baby is born if the baby's needs are not taken care of if the baby feels hungry for long times or it's not cleaned for long times or it feels thirsty for long times it becomes the body mind becomes again fearful for its life because the body mind has been imbued by uh, with the will to survive which is the soul's will to be present in material awareness and so every time the body mind during that period feels these uh, uncomfortable sensations in the soul mind it comes as a lack of love and then what happens is that sense of an objectless world that, that the baby has begins to because of the senses it have it begins to notice separation around two the limbic mind brain kicks in and we begin to realize that we actually we're separate human beings now that is hugely painful for the soul because it lives in a place of oneness and so right then around two the ego begins to form and it's actually the ego is the creation of the soul it is a buffer to stop the pain getting through to the soul so the soul can mm. now move into the background so when the reptilian mind brain formed the soul became the subconscious when the limbic mind brain forms the body mind becomes the subconscious and the soul mind becomes the unconscious and then later on when we're eight or nine or ten when the neocortex comes into play the soul mind gets pushed back into the super unconscious and so gradually the the soul mind gets the influence of the soul mind gets pushed into the background is always there but the ego now was taken up the job as the guardian of the body to survive feel safe and feel secure so that the soul will have a vehicle in three-dimensional material awareness to live out its desires which will come in the second half of our lives and so the ego eh, but when the ego gets off track, out of track, because it develops too many fear-based beliefs, um, it compromises the ability of the soul to get back into our lives in the second half. So some people live all of their lives in in uh, the survival mode um, because they they can't they 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 either have fear-based beliefs about. Uh, either uh, not having enough or the relationship level not being loved enough or at the security level uh, not being enough and uh, when you develop these fear-based beliefs during these first 24 years of your life they become hardwired because each of these brains is actually forming and developing during that period and so you these beliefs become hardwired into the brain and they are difficult these fear-based beliefs are difficult to get rid of later on and so um there you have uh, the idea that the ego actually thinks it uh, is a uh, lives in a three-dimensional material awareness that it has a body the body can die and because the body can die the ego thinks it has needs and because it has needs then if it doesn't get its needs met it has fears um, and that's mm -hmm. the ego and then on the soul, the soul knows it lives in a fourth dimensional energetic world. It has no needs because it creates instantly through its thoughts. That's the quantum reality. And it knows it cannot die because it, uh, it, it, it's an energy field. 
And so the soul has, has no fears. So when the ego's fears, the energy of fear comes up against the soul's energy of love, that juxtaposition is what creates pain. So whenever you have pain in your life, you should welcome it because it's telling you exactly what you need to work on to get your ego back into alignment with your soul. So pain, we should welcome it. It really helps you get back into soul awareness and it helps you build that link between the ego motivations and soul motivations. Well, I want to talk with you about, you know, the, this this idea to pay attention to pain because it's almost impossible not to pay attention to pain until you figured out how to how, how to numb it. But in the book, there is uh, there there is a section you write in here which I find very interesting. Here, you know, you talk about the impacts of uh, you summarize three you know the uh, impacts. You say struggle to make meaning leads to worse fears, leads to energetic instability, and yeah. then the next one is yeah needs might not be met leads to fear and anxiety leads to energetic instability, and then boom the big one needs not met leads to fear, anger, anger uh, leads to energetic instability. And I wanted to take a moment to talk about these um, because, you know, even though we've got them written here, there's also a way uh, to tap into how not to have this show up 24-7. At least I'm hoping you'll have something to say about that, Richard. <laughs> well, what do you mean not show up for 24-7? Well, you know the obsession where fear is the mode is our is our uh, moment by moment driver. Yeah, moment so by look, moment driver. You know what I'm saying? Okay. What is the term? Obsession. Uh, yeah. Okay, so look, um, let's get really clear. There are good fears and there are uh, yes. let me call them bad fears. Now, good fears yeah. are oh my god, I'm not going to put my hand near that fire. I will get what burn. Okay, so that's a fear that keeps you safe. Okay. Um, oh, I'm not going to walk down that dark street tonight because I don't. It's not a. The people who live in that street sometimes I wonder about who they really are. So, so there's there's good fears, and and but the the bad fears are those fears that we learn uh, during the first twenty or thirty years of our lives when we're growing up uh, about not being able to get our needs met. Um, you know, I'm I don't have enough. I'm not loved enough, and I'm not enough. Uh, the self worth thing, and. Um, those fears prey on us because they're hardwired into our brain, they, 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 our minds, they, they prey on us for the rest of our lives unless we learn to master them or manage them in some way. And whenever you have, uh, as I said, fear showing up from any of those causes that you said, you have energetic instability and energetic, because we are our body is an energy field the, the, the physical flesh is hanging on to an energetic template and so whenever you have uh, energetic instability it shows up somewhere in the body and that energetic instability uh, in a few years if you don't deal with it will become an illness or a cause of death um, and so uh, we, we really have to pay attention because in the book I, I link the leading causes mm -hmm. of death to these yeah. uh, the different stages of development and the failure at different stages of development. For example, um, 
um, prostate cancer in men yeah. uh, begins to occur in the late 50s and early 60s because that's the what I call the integrating stage. It's the stage of development where it's really important to build connections and relationships. Now, if at the conforming stage when you're an ego uh, like two to eight, you did not build the skills to make relationships and to uh, observe your feelings, which men do not, little boys are taught <laughs> not to have their feelings show. So they close down their feelings. And when they get to the 50s and have to build connection then, which is, you know, the soul and the 40s self-expresses, in the 50s it connects and in the 60s it contributes. So when you get to your 50s and cannot connect, uh, that energy, the negative energy, fear-based energy that you've held in your body since you were two, six, two, three, four, five, six, or seven years old, comes out at a particular level in the body, um, at the sacral chakra level, and becomes prostate cancer. And that's uh, uh, the uh, women uh, uh, have a different uh, issue, and that is um, most uh, breast cancer begins to. Um, form and take shape in the 40s, late 40s and 50s because the 40s is the self-actualizing stage where you actually have to fully express who you are and you know, and young girls and young women are brought up not to do that and even when they become women, uh, you know, they'll put their husband needs before theirs or the children's needs before theirs and so their self-expression is held back and that negative energy of holding back that self-expression shows up as breast cancer in the late 40s and 50s. So in the book, I go through all of the leading causes of death and show how, what stage of that psychological development they're linked to, how that affects whichever chakra, and that either uh, over-activating or under-activating mm -hmm. that chakra leads to the sickness 10 to 15 years after that, that stage of development because it takes time for the energetic instability in the in to form into the body as actual disease. Mm -hmm. I, I wonder if we, you know, I, I really am struck by, as we're talking about this, uh, I wonder if there isn't really an outline for a new level of awareness and, and solution in what you write in understanding needs and desires in the book. And I, I looked at this and I literally drew myself a little diagram of the, 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 what you present here about consciousness leading to information, leading to belief, leading to energy change, leading to matter change. And I would love if we could take a few minutes to talk about that because not only was I really struck by this, but I was also struck by as you continue throughout the book and you really connect the dots for us right back to the physical plane as well. How much of this, uh, the sense I got was we can change this or we could change our pattern or we could change our direction. And I would love for you to talk about this, especially consciousness, information, belief, energy change and matter change. Okay. So, um, you know, we, we go through the first three stages of development that's uh, surviving, conforming, differentiating right up to the age of 24. And, and that's uh -huh. pretty much programmed and 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 you know the circumstances of your life are gonna are gonna determine what beliefs and what positive beliefs and what negative beliefs you develop because those beliefs actually that's how you interpret reality for the rest of your life because 
your early experiences create your beliefs and then when you have a new situation that comes up that looks like something you've experienced before that belief kicks in now if you have a lot of difficult experiences in that part of your life you'll have a lot of fear-based beliefs which will condition your reality right into the future and lead to early death or sickness or whatever now you can change that and you can begin to change it at the individuating stage when you get to 24 and up to about 39 or 40 by recognizing uh, when you have, when you feel upset, or when you feel uh, energetic instability, uh, to, to, and that again comes back to this idea of pain, by actually asking yourself, what is this about? And noticing what it is about. Because behind it, is some sort of belief, limiting belief, that is causing that pain because it's based in fear. And so we can begin to change who we are. We can begin to change our chemistry, if you like, um, in our late 20s and early 30s mm-hmm. and, and continue. Some people call it spiritual growth, spiritual development, yeah. but it's all yeah. about it's all about mastering our fears so it's because if we've got the energy of fear it blocks the energy of love which is the energy of the soul so the more that we're able to take fear out of our lives the more we open ourselves up to soul activation i have to tell you something mm-hmm. dr pat yeah. that i only real yeah. i only realized uh, i didn't write about it in the book i only realized this about 10 to 15 years ago was uh-huh. that um i uh, I, I don't have a, a self-critical mind. And I thought oh. many, many people didn't have a self-critical mind. And and I suddenly realized that actually the majority of people have a self-critical mind. And, and the reason I don't have a self-critical mind is because I had... I had the most beautiful childhood and the care of my parents. We were very poor. I was the only child. But it was... Um, I realized now that... Um, I didn't develop the self-critical mind because the self-critical mind develops really around age two to nine or ten. And Uh why it it develops is because at that stage, if we don't get our needs met, we get angry. And if uh, if our parents are not able to meet our needs for whatever reason, we get angry. And uh, we are not able at that stage to be angry as much as we'd like to be with our parents because if we were we they would we wouldn't get our needs met anymore i mean it, that's <laughs> the fear that's the fear that we learn and so instead of expressing the frustration and anger we swallow it at, at that young age and we say to ourselves it can't be them it has to be me and that's when the self-critical mind forms because we don't allow ourselves to, uh, to, to uh, be angry because we get our love cut off or we get our respect and recognition cut off and, we, and so we, we turn it inwards. And, and that shows up, this anger turned inwards uh, shows up as first of all as sadness and then as depression, uh, which, will, which is again this energetic instability which will come out some point in your life because you're holding it in your body and it eventually it has to come out as illness or as a mental disease. Um, so, you know, Dr. Pat, when I, uh, when I start talking like this and I get so focused on what I'm saying, I can't remember what the question was. 
<laughs> well, you you actually answered the question because oh, you good. know what I think you're talking about is you know we're connecting the dots between many many things, and you really do this very brilliantly. I, I'm really a you know I'm a visual person in a lot of ways, so when I see something written down where you have things like meaning and then an arrow to understanding to an arrow to decision making to an arrow to action to an arrow uh, to energetic stability when I see something like that you know what happens for me is I get and, and you know this is something I do automatically where I say oh boy okay wait a minute that meaning that I'm putting to this particular thing on this particular day, that feels more like an unmet need. Because yeah. what I think you're doing is having us explore what the heck is going on inside of us. I love what you said about leadership and culture before. Because now we're now connecting the dots between the dynamics of not just one or two people, but the many, aren't we? Yep, absolutely. Um, that's really what I try to do there, explain in a way that people could get uh, and link to, with links to science, but also integrating the soul, that people can get, oh my gosh, you know, this is why this is happening, or this is why I'm not feeling well, or just, you know, we don't get a handbook when we're born for life. And living, yeah, and and this is the closest thing I've ever written to a handbook for living, you know, because it's all about how do you create well-being, and you know, basically, well-being is a feeling you get when you're able to meet the needs of the stage of psychological development you're at, and there are seven stages, so there's lots of places where you can go wrong and go down the wrong path, and then you have to correct the path. But, but that's what well-being is about. And when you get to the latter part of your life, it's all about fulfillment. And, and, and fulfillment means fully living your soul experience. Not mm. having a soul, but being a soul. Listening to your soul. My books uh, and what I write about and which books I write are, are basically dictated to me by my soul. I, I, get, mm -hmm. I get the thought, it comes. I know it's coming from my soul. Sometimes I argue with my soul. I say, no, I don't want to write a book about that. I don't know anything about it. And, the, and then, the, then my soul will make arguments or thoughts come to me like, oh, yeah, of course I could because of this, this, and this. And then I write the book. And then, you know, at 4 o'clock in the morning, I'm like, gosh, I wish my soul would sleep a little bit. But, you know, at 4 o'clock in the morning, I get waking up, woken up with all yeah. of these, like, brilliant insights and downloads. Yeah. And, I, and then yeah. I get up at 5 and I have to write them all down. So when yeah. I'm writing a book, I'm like up at five o'clock every morning for, you know, 12 months at a time. There's no question about it. And, you know, I, I'm kind of the same, same way. Uh, wow. And, you know, thank you. I got to tell you, thank you so much for today. I cannot believe the hour has just jumped by. Again, thank you so much. Would you mind letting folks know how, again, they can find out more about you and get a copy of the book? And thank you for all the work that you do. Okay, thanks, Dr. Pat. A, a New Psychology of Human Well-Being, that's the title. It's available, you can get it from Amazon or any uh, retailer. And um, you want to find out more and see videos, um, podcasts, etc., etc., um, go to richardbarrett.net, www.richardbarrett.net, and um, there's a feast of stuff there. If you're interested in the organizational stuff, still go to richardbarrett.net, but... 
it's inside the valuecenter.com and in valsidevaluecenter.com you can all find out all about cultural transformation personal transformation and leadership development i would love to do that thank you so very much richard wow amazing it's always a pleasure maybe next time you come back we'll do the entire show on culture what do you think about that <laughs> whatever rings your bell dr pat i'm telling you every day it's something new richard barrett everybody i'm dr pat we're going to take a short break another hour dr pat dr pat show coming up this time yep eye-opening about lyme disease we'll see you in a few The preceding audio was via a Skype call.